your outside world is a direct reflection of inside world. So if your world is chaos right now, that's the outside world. That's because there's chaos inside that's unresolved. And also I'm saying wherever there is drama, there is trauma that is unresolved. So if you've got friends who are always bringing drama or you're always bringing drama, check yourself, sister or man, because you've got internal stuff that needs to be done. Welcome to the Influence by Design podcast. I'm Samantha Riley, authority positioning strategist for coaches and experts. If you're ready to build a business that gives you more than just a caffeine addiction and you dream of making more money, having more time and having the freedom to be living your best life, then you're in the right place. It's time to level up. So if you're in business, I'm sure that you've had many times in your life where you've just thought, oh my goodness, is this worth it? I've given away a 40-hour job to do an 80-hour week. We've all been there. But there is another way, and I've invited today's guest, Angela Henderson, to talk about how we can build a business with revenue and freedom. So welcome to the show, Angela. It's great to have you here. Oh my goodness, so excited to be here. I just love being in your presence and your energy. So this is going to be so fun. Oh, likewise. So I can see that we're going to do all sorts of riffing here. Now, Angela Henderson Consulting is your business right now. You work with business owners. What did you do before that? Because I think that that's going to add a little bit of context into what we're talking about. So, yeah, so I am an ex-mental health clinician of 15 years. So I have an undergrad in sociology and psychology, and I have a master's of social work. And my job ultimately was to assess individuals who are going through struggles in their life. But ultimately then, yeah, I would diagnose people with schizophrenia, bipolar, autism, anxiety, depression, et cetera, and then be able to help facilitate whatever it is that they needed. So whether or not it was pharmaceutical intervention, whether or not it was like social integration that they needed, whatever that looked like. So yeah, so that was my, you know, background, you could say. And then I had my first child, Finley, and he was nine months old and he was just playing with all the toys that we were given, which was great. But I had this like moment where I was like, all these things are electronic. And don't get me wrong, we have iPads, we do all that. But I was like, for a nine month old, I was like, surely there's other things to stimulate them with fine motor skills, color recognition, I went on a mission and then that mission led me to opening up my first business, which was Finley and Me, where we focused on creating childhood memories through play, love and travel. And I started with zero product, obviously, zero email list, zero everything like we all do. And when I closed Finley and Me, we had over 1400 different educational products that we were selling. Wow. And then, you know, we grew our socials to over 100,000. Our email list was over 50,000 plus, et cetera. But the cool thing that I found with Finley and Me was understanding the importance of like diversifying revenue. And so though we sold the products, I also became one of Australia's leading parenting influencers. I was side with Netflix, Coles, Woolies, Spotlights, Club Meds, Hiltons, etc. And they would pay me to create content utilizing their products or services. So it was really fascinating to see how you can have multiple streams of revenue coming in, even though you maybe never have planned that. And then Finley and me, I knew there would come a time where I'd start to get bored of going to toy expos and my kids were growing a little bit older. And so next thing you know, the consultant just landed in my lap. 14 people actually picked my brain over about a two-month period. Coaching and consulting was never on my plan. And all of a sudden, I had this moment driving home on that last coffee date going, I don't even drink coffee. I'm driving, say, 30 minutes there, 30 minutes back. I'm paying for my own Diet Coke. And I'm giving advice for free. I was like, oh, this is it. I was like, oh, if I charge these people for my expertise, I could create a secondary business. And that's how the consulting business came to fruition. 
That is such a cool story on so many levels, but also very funny that I just had this exact same conversation on a recent podcast, except it sounds like, and like my other guest, you are way smarter than me because I was doing that. You know, I had people coming to me for business, but I actually had to go to my mentor and say, what do we do with this? And he was like, uh, duh. <laughs> oh, dear. So, so it's funny how many coaches and consultants actually, it just kind of falls in your lap and it's, you know, the universe's way of giving you a tap on the shoulder saying, all right, it's time to do something else now, mm-hmm. which is very cool. When you went into the consulting space, how were you working with people? Did you go straight to group programs or did you continue on with those coffee dates and that with that one-on-one sort of mentoring consulting yeah. So again, it's like, you don't know what you don't know when you like, I had no clue. It was like, oh, I guess I'll just saying, this is how much it costs to work with me. Do you want to work with me? So like, I literally had no clue at all. But ultimately what I did is I just kept doing one-on-one because that's what I was like, people coffee dates equal one-on-one. I didn't think about group coaching. I didn't think about retreats. I didn't think about webinars. I didn't think about any of that because that was so new to me. I was so used to being in the e-com space where I was just selling products. And so it was a whole new world that I had to get used to in the consulting. So I just went with what I knew. I knew how to talk to people like I did when I was a therapist, for example. I knew how to just have general conversations and I knew the strategy behind it, but I didn't at the beginning have a framework. I didn't have any other programs or know of anything. I just went one-on-one and like what Marie Folio often talks about in her book, like everything is figureoutable. I was like, I never was deceitful as in like, I knew what I was doing, but I didn't like, I even had to go and get a new contract, for example, with the lawyer to drop. Cause I was like, I can't just, this is weird. You gotta be legal here. Right. So I went and got the contract. I didn't even have a website at the beginning. I was like, okay, better. If someone's going to buy from me as a consultant, they want to see a lot of social proof testimonials. I was like, I better get something up because I don't have that. But everything I was like, everything will work out exactly the way it needs to. And I was like, and if it doesn't, then it's just not meant to be and I'm okay with it. But obviously it has worked out and it's been to my advantage. But at the beginning, I had no clue about anything other than just contract, sign up, book a calendar date, let's talk. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That was all I knew. Totally, totally. So you talk about revenue and freedom. At that time, you know, did you have that same belief or were you completely just, you know, time poor trying to build your business? Like, mm-hmm. can you sort of talk us through that, where you were there and this that sort of progression? Yeah, I always, I mean, with my first business, I was still working full time as a mental health clinician for 40 hours a week. Oh, well. I had one small child, obviously, at the beginning, and then that business came. And then I'd started to cut down my days with the mental health. And then the secondary business popped up. So I, at that stage, two kids under four or whatever, still working full time in that. So it was, I wouldn't say a hot mess, do you know what I mean? But the balance was definitely there. So it's like, I woke up, got the kids, went to work, came home, did this, and then ran those businesses off, do you know what I mean? On the side, you could say. So I always knew that I still wanted life first, business second, but I didn't necessarily, again, have it figured out. Does that make sense? 100%. 100%. So was there one moment that changed you or was this a, you know, a, a five-year journey, for example? 
remember Finley and me was running just the way it needed to, but with the consulting side and I knew that I was exiting for the, that's when I kind of had my big moment where I was like, I heard someone say something like, my business does not run my life. I run my business around my life. And I was like, ah, all right. And I had to really kind of, it kind of stopped me in my tracks because I was like, this isn't what I want. My business does not run my life. I run my business around my life. And I was like, it just made sense. It was just like the gates of heaven or whatever you want to call just opened. Everything was there. Sam. And I was like, what am I doing? Am I being true to myself? Am I being true to my family? Am I being precious with my time? Am I doing too much? Am I doing too little? There's all these questions that started to come. But also when we start business, as you know, we're like, no, this is how it's going to look. And this is what's going to look like. But it doesn't take long for you to get your business. You're working what you think is normal. Then you're working weekends. Then your relationships potentially start to fall down or your health starts to fall down or you just lose yourself. And so for me, when I heard that, I was like, okay, I need to go back to the drawing board. So yeah, so the one thing that changed me is life first, business second, and that my business does not run my life. I run my business around my life. Mm. I love those little moments where things happen. I remember back at a time I was personal training. I owned a dance studio. We had two dancewear stores. I had three kids. We had it all going on. And I'd always been that person of you know, that always had it together. It's just like, it didn't matter how much you put in my lap. I would just keep going, going, going. But I remember this one day sitting, was actually having lunch in the the office at our gym and just going, oh my goodness, like, I just can't keep this up. I'm so tired. And someone said to me, well, you can choose, you know, mm-hmm. my immediate reaction was angry. Like, well, you've got no idea. I can't just choose and just change it up whenever I want. You know, I've got all these things. And but that night I did go home and go, well, what if I could? What would that look like? Yes. And I think, you know, my first reaction was to come to my defense. But Earth. as soon as I let the walls down, that's when I realized, oh, my goodness, we can actually choose. Like, it doesn't happen overnight. So I'd love to hear no. what, your, what your transition was like because it doesn't happen overnight. But if you put the small things in place, when you look backwards, it actually doesn't take as long as what you think it will take. Is that sort of what happened for you? Yes, I would say 100%. And I'll talk about that because I think we do have to make space in order to be able to assess. And I think often we're just going from the next thing to the next thing. I'll come back to that. But I just want to tap on when you talk about the choice. One of the biggest moments I had was when I heard a quote saying, whatever you are not changing, you are choosing. And I was so triggered. I was like, hell no. And I reread the quote like a hundred times, whatever you're not changing, you are choosing. And it was then that I was like, holy, you know, I've had my head buried in the sand thinking that people are either going to come and save me or that I deserve this or there's this sense of entitlement. But one of the things I often talk about now on my own podcast and with the women I work with is that whenever you are not changing, you are choosing. And if you're choosing to do nothing, that is still a choice. Mm-hmm. But if you want to, you know, 10x your life, if you want to radically change things in your business, et cetera, that's on you. And two years ago, I mean, we're recording in November here, but uh, two years ago on Christmas Day, I it was 11 o'clock in the morning. My husband at the time had pissed me off one final time. I went to the bathroom. I started crying. I was like, I'm not going into another year like this. I refused. And I was like, again, whatever, I'm not changing or I'm choosing. So I walked out. I pulled him aside. I said, you've got till March to leave. And now I didn't plan to do that on Christmas. I'm not a douchebag, okay? But it was like, I had that moment where I was like, no. 
No one's coming to the door. No one's going to come and say things are going to get better with you and Dale, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, I need to choose for me, myself, and I need to put this first and I need to take radical responsibility for my life. And that's Mm. where I think so often it feels safe just to keep doing what we're doing. And was it scary? Yes. One of the hardest days of my life is having to tell my children that, you know, their dad and I were no longer to be together. But what's come from making those decisions, I've lost 30 pounds. Now, it's not about a number on the scale, but my confidence has increased. My self-worth has increased. My relationships have increased. I found love again. My kids and I get along better than ever before, right? My business, it's not coincidence that he left on March 14th. And when we did our financials for the month of March, it was my biggest revenue day, my biggest revenue month to date. Why? Because you shed the old that have space for the new to come in, right? So that's what I just wanted to talk about that because I really like that you said it's like, whatever we're not changing, we're choosing. And it is so true. So for anyone that's out there right now, as we start to think about the next year ahead, what do you ultimately need to take radical responsibility for? So yeah, so just that to start with. I love that you even ended that there because as you were talking, I'd written down radical responsibility to come back to it because it's so powerful. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that, that you said, and I really want to reiterate this because it's so powerful, is you can't allow new things in if you don't create the space. I've been talking um, about, I think I talked about this in a group coaching call just last week. And for me, it's just really learning to surrender and just mm. really letting go so that we can let go. Like there's just so much just surrender of, okay, I've just got to let this go to allow the new in. And I think that, you know, we're talking about this this topic at the end of the year. It's the perfect time to do that and start to mm-hmm. think, well, what do we want our life to look like next year? What do we want our business to look like next year? Mm-hmm. That is a great phrase, I guess, segue into when I started looking at this life first business second type of phenomenal is that I had to step one is I want you to ask yourself, that's literally the question I started with is what do I want out of life? And again, most women, right? Theoretically, if you've got children, if you're running a business, if you've got animals, We don't make a lot of time to sit down there and think about what we want. We just continue to the day-to-day grind. And that keeps us in this 2X type of, we're growing a little bit, but we're not 10Xing our life. So I had to look at what do I want? And for me, as I wanted to create memories with my kids, I wanted to travel and I wanted flexible days. And once I identified what I wanted, the very first thing I did then was then I went and scheduled off all the days in my calendar. Now, at the beginning, I didn't have a lot right? Because I was still working. I was still juggling everything. But last year alone, I had 150 days off in 2022. In 2023, I haven't added up, but we'd be over 150 days. And like this year alone, I was in Bali in January, San Diego in March, Napa Valley in, uh, no, February was San Diego, March was Napa Valley, cruise in April, Dominican Republic on May, you know, July and so forth, my Bali retreat in October, every month I've gone and done something. Now, there'll be people out there going, oh, that's nice. You can go and do that. Whatever the haters will be thinking that. It's so different for you. (laughs) It's so different. But now, and again, I, the one little caveat that I do say is obviously I split my kids half with my ex-husband. So I understand that I do have more time from that notion and I get that. So I do want to always be transparent. However, 
even before that happened, I still made sure that my weekends were scheduled off, that my Fridays was working on the business versus in the business. And again, you too can change. I didn't have 150 days off all at once. But once I was very clear about what was important to me and that I was no longer going to compromise on, you would be surprised how quickly change starts to happen when you put pen to paper and you commit to putting yourself first, mm. right? So that was kind of the very first question that I'd want people to look at is, what do you want out of life is what I would mm. say. Okay, okay. The second thing then I was like, okay, well, if I want this out of my life, how does my second question is, is how does my current business conflict with my personal priorities? So how am I going to get 150 days off if, if for me was I was doing $10 an hour tasks, like following up on invoices, scheduling social media, ordering gifts, manually onboarding clients, right? My program, as we talked about earlier on, was very one-to-one heavy. And so business was conflicting with what I wanted in my personal life. And I knew that change had to come from that. So then I was like, okay, well, if I know that my business is conflicting with that, I was like, big question number three was, how can I restructure my business now that I've identified the problems in order to support the life that I want? And this was probably the scariest part because I knew I was going to have to let go of what I already knew so well, where it was feeling that feeling of safety. And I was going to have to let that go and step into almost the unknown. So for me is when I looked at how could I restructure my business, was the first thing I did was explore hiring and automation. So I decided on what $10 hour tasks I needed to get done. I created a position description, interviewed and onboarded. And then right from there, I also was looking at what systems and automation do I need? Because if I can have better systems and automation in conjunction with hiring this new person, surely I would be able to get more time. And 100%, that's exactly what happened. I bought back my time, but I also saved money. Because I no longer was having to manually onboard someone. It went through Thrivecart into Active Campaign, and then went into Airtable into ClickUp. All of that was done, right? So it was saving me time. And also for the VA, I didn't have to do you know I mean, you know, like we're not, I'm not paying someone then to, like I was manually doing it. They are manually doing it. No, I was saving more time because then it was the system that was doing it. Before you go on to the last question, I would love to ask about that unknown piece mm. because this is where I find so many people trip up. They, mm-hmm. they're they like, okay, I'm tolerating this. I don't want to do that anymore. I want to yeah. do, a, do this new thing over here, but they keep yeah. getting dragged back into that. But this is what I know. How yeah. did you or what is probably a better question, what did you do to navigate that? I don't know what this looks like and you know, that fear of stepping into the unknown. How did you navigate that? Well, that's where the inner work comes into place. And that will be my final step that I had to look at, which I'll share in just one second, because it's the mindset piece. If you're not going to, again, radically change yourself, it doesn't matter that I give you these steps and these questions, because you'll end up self-sabotaging. So I'll say the final thing of step three, and then I'll go to that, because that's a brilliant question. That's exactly the actually the number one thing that you'll have to do in order to be able to put life first, I mean, business second. So in that last kind of step, part of step three is how can I restructure my business? I had to review my entire product suite and I understood that my wonder one model was no longer allowing me the freedom and time freedom that I wanted. And so what I did was I then 
reviewed my product suite, did pricing, and that's when I created my masterminds. Mm-hmm. Because my masterminds then allowed me to pretty much travel the world. I didn't have as many one-on-ones in my calendar, and that time freedom came to me exponentially quickly. So to, you know, to go to what you're saying there, it's the number one question you have to ask yourself is what part of the seven major mindset blocks are stopping you from implementing this? And the seven major mindset blocks that I want to share with you, and I'm just pulling up just so I don't lose any, was in my years of working with women around the world, these are the major mindset blocks that come up. So again, you can go to these questions, but it's similar. We're entering 2024. You can go buy a brand new planner, write out your goals, but your planner is going to do shit and you're going to stop using it on week two if you don't address the elephant in the room. And this is the elephant in the room. Is The seven major mindset blocks that I see is self-trust, the belief in yourself, your growth, and your integrity. The second mindset block that I see is self-love, the sense of one's own value or worth as a person. The third major mindset block that I see is worthiness, the quality of being good enough. The fourth one that I see is money stories and blocks, which is just those negative subconscious beliefs about money that limit you from achieving your success. The fifth one I see is obsessive thinking, a series of thoughts that are typically occurred or paired with negative judgments. The sixth one that I see is divine timing. So for those that don't know, the definition of divine timing is the belief that everything in our life happens at exactly the right moment, that surrender that you're talking about. But yet where it's a mindset block is where we try and maneuver and manipulate everything to go a certain way. Mm -hmm. That's where we run into a big problem. And the last mindset block that I see is the imposter syndrome. It refers to believing that you're not as competent as others perceive you to be. So... I'd ask yourself, step four is to check yourself and go, where are these limiting beliefs? Where are this mindset stuff coming up? And be very true with yourself. Because until you identify that and have self-awareness about that, it doesn't matter what strategy I give you or you give your clients, this cycle will continue. And then you'll be like, well, my business still rules my life and I don't have the life first, business second friend that you're wanting and longing for. Does that help or make sense? A hundred percent. It's just so fabulous. For you, did you work with someone to work through these? And I guess even before kind of the answer, I just want to say that for myself and for what I see in my clients and for everyone I know on the face of the earth, we all still have these. I don't know about you. And I, would love I was wondering if you had some yes. magic pill because that was my next thing. How do you do it? Because they do come up, but it's having that awareness. So once you've got that awareness, you know, do you work with people? Do you have your own little rituals, I guess, that you go through? Imagine an upside down triangle. So at the very top, do you know what I mean, is the longest part of the triangle. And what I say to people there is I used to do one-on-one talk therapy, CBT, DBT with the clients that I used to work with as a social worker. And talk therapy can work for some people 100% based on personality, lived experience, business models, et cetera. But in my personal experience and also working with the clients that I have, talk therapy, it's again, it's the longest part of the triangle because it's an upside down triangle. At the very top, it's only scratching the surface. So it's not uncommon that you'll see a lot of psychologists and social workers and their clients be like, I think I just talked about this last week. Or why are we talking about the same thing? Why is it change really happening? And you're paying like $100 and $150 to see a psychologist or a psychologist, which is expensive, you know, especially if you're having to pay out of pocket and you don't have a mental health care plan, like in Australia, for example. 
So you make a little bit of progress, but I kind of feel like talk therapy is one step forward, two steps back. It's a little, it's like this dance. Mm-hmm. So great, it works for some. The next one underneath of that, where it's a little bit deeper is like NLP, your neurologistics reprogramming, right? Like it works, it gets to the subconscious a little bit more. And you might only need say 10 to 15 sessions versus talk therapy, 50 to 80 sessions, right? Mm-hmm. But the one that I have found that works the absolute most is hypnotherapy. Before people were like, oh my God, that's where you're going to quack, quack like a duck. I had all of those type of things too. <laughs> yeah. Because it's not talked about in mainstream society that often. But I can tell you one 45 minute session will radically change your insight and prerogative to so many things. I'll give you an example. I went to a hypnotherapy session once and the lady said, what do you want to talk about today, Ange? I said, oh, I've got nothing today. And she's like, really? And I was like, oh, actually this client pissed me off this week and this is why. And she was like, oh, she's like, let's see where this takes us. So what the client had said to me was, and I thought if I worked with you one-on-one, I would get all of these, like I'd get all the templates I needed. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking in my head, I've actually given this particular person eight to 10 templates based on their business and what they needed. Though I might have a hundred, I won't give someone all of them because it overwhelms them and they do nothing. It's very personalized. So I knew this client of mine was having her own trigger or whatever was going on for her, but it triggered me, but Mm -hmm. I didn't understand why. And one of the things that I've identified is that triggers are nudges. They're clues to what you still need to work on. So again, pay attention to the triggers in your life. It's actually giving you valuable knowledge. So I went to there. She's like, okay. So she said, when I count you down, you'll be where you need to be. And where I was, was actually my mom's kitchen 20 years ago. And I remember walking past her computer and on her computer screen was my name, my brother's name, and my sister's name. And she'd written an email to this guy she had started dating. And she had said what my brother did, what my sister did, and what I did. And she said, oh, Angela's in medical school. She's got a GPA of 4.0. She's doing this and this. But none of that was true, Samantha. None of it was true for my brother. None of it was true for my sister. And I've never thought about that moment in my mom's kitchen. I just carried on with life. But the deep rooted doing T2 trauma that was embedded in me for all these years, 20 plus years later, was when my client said, I thought you were going to give me this and I was triggered. It was because I felt I wasn't enough. Mm. Because how could I be enough if my own mother has to make up lies about me? (laughs) And is it enough? So I remember at the beginning, I loosely said our subconscious, there's three primary factors that come into play when we make decisions. And 97% of our decisions are already made before we realize it. Uh And that's because our brain has 97% of that subconscious and they are around safety, belonging, and enoughness. So I was like, wow, 20 years, where else is enoughness or not feeling like I'm enough stopping me from the growth? Now, I've done a lot of talk therapy too, do you know what I mean, on all okay. stuff in my world, and none of it has got on me as quickly as I had through hypnotherapy. One yeah. session, one problem. No, you still have other things, and that's an important thing. Your healing never stops because just as you go from 10K months to 50K months to 100K months, there's new challenges that come like that and will re-trigger the surface, Okay. But be mindful that, again, once you're aware of it, it's your responsibility to go and do something about it if you want to see change. If not, these old patterns continue to come into play. Now, hypnotherapy costs the same as a psychology appointment, about $150. Choose what you want. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then the very last tier of the triangle is I work with a healer over in America. Okay. Now, 
healing is slightly different than getting to a root of something that's triggered you. And healers aren't for everyone. They weren't for me 10, 15 years ago. I would have laughed if someone said I was going to work with a healer. But it is one of the most profound experiences I have. And now I work with my healer two to three times a month. She's part of my extended business team. Mm-hmm. I'll give you an example. So it was a friend of mine said, Ange, your grandmother died on Christmas, your brother died on Mother's Day, and a father type figure died, father type figure died on New Year's Day. I think you should go to the healer. And I was like, my masculine. What does it do? What's the transformation? How much does it cost? Mm-hmm. She's like, I can't really tell you what it does because it's so individual. She's like, how much? I said, how much is it? She's like, 150. And she's like, you've just paid 45K to work with your new coach. If you can pay 45K to work with a coach, you should be able to pay for this lady. And I was like, valid point. I'll go. But when I got on the call with this lady, she's like, do you know, you know, what do you want to talk about today? I was like, I don't even know what you do. Yeah. I was like, I'm just trusting and surrendering here. Like my friends say I should be here. I'm here. She's like, okay. She's like, okay. She's like, when I cross over, I'm not going to remember this conversation. And Samantha, all my heart and all my children, I was like, it's on WhatsApp. You don't even video call her. It's all audio. And I'm thinking in my head, bad connection. Gotta go. Like I was ready to run. I was like, I was like, this, what is this lady talking about? Like I'm out. You cross over. You don't remember. I was like, am I in drugs? What is going on? Like, it was like mind blowing. I was like, okay. But I was like, trust the process, surrender. That's all I can <laughs> just keep hearing my friends say. Yeah. So she says, okay. She said, the guides are saying that you've got problems, got health problems. And I was like, hmm. So it wasn't like you've got a health problem. Mm-hmm. And I do have got health problems. I'm still dealing with them today. I'm working with a natural path. Like, I still do. So I was like, okay. One little tick for this lady. And she's like, you got to drink celery juice, whatever. I was like, meh. And then she said, you also have to go back and eat organic, like wholesome foods that you used to eat when you were on the farm growing up as a little girl. And I was like, what? Oh, all of a sudden things changed. I was like, I didn't tell her I grew up on a farm. Do you know what I mean? I didn't tell her that we grew our own vegetables and like had our own animals and all. I was like, what? So I was like, okay. And it was funny though. And I quietly smiled at me because she said she doesn't remember. I was responsible for writing everything down. So I wrote down the words butter. I wrote down the words jam and I quietly smiled because my grandmother made the butter from scratch, the jam from scratch, and she made this beautiful homemade bread. And then I also wrote down the words wooden spoon and I giggled because my grandmother would hit me with the wooden spoon, like not hard, but just tap us out of the kitchen. Do you know what I mean? Get out of there. Go play. Yeah. So I could hear Leah speaking with someone, but you can't hear who she's speaking to. And she's just going, yes, yes, I'll tell her, I'll tell her. She said, your grandmother's here with the wooden spoon and she wants you out of the kitchen. And I was like, wow. Okay, I'm sold. You've got my full attention now. You talked about my gut health. You talked about me on the farm. And now you're saying my grandmother with a wooden spoon. And then my grandmother went into this. She's like, listen, she's like, I just want, she's like, your grandmother wants to say sorry for, you know, when you were a little girl and the farmers would come around and they would drink whiskey and rye at the table and play cards. That's literally what would happen. They never heard us or anything, but they were just loud, obnoxious men, right? She's like, little girls shouldn't have had to been around this. And then I can hear her talking to someone else. And she goes, there's a male figure here who had a significant injury playing sport. And my brother had broken his femur wrapped around a hockey pole. Do you know what I mean? Oh, a hockey pole. Oh, yuck. And she said, your brother's here. And I was like, like... It was the most mind-blowing thing ever. And so when I talk about healing, 
And I talk about this inner work that you have to do because whatever you are, your outside world is a direct reflection of inside world. So if mm-hmm. your world is chaos right now, that's the outside world. That's because there's chaos inside that's unresolved. Mm-hmm. And also I'm saying wherever there is drama, there is trauma mm-hmm. that is unresolved. So if you've got friends who are always bringing drama or you're always bringing drama, check yourself, sister or man, because you've got internal stuff that needs to be done. So this healing is like different to hypnotherapy where you're getting to a root problem. Do you mean about a trigger? This healing is things from either generational healing, loved ones who have passed that come in there and they just feel your soul and you heal inside. It's very hard to de- to describe unless you're in it. But I now had 70 plus clients, family members or friends go to my healer. And I only give her to people that I know because she's only one person. And every single person has said, Ange, I've never had such profound experiences in my life. So, you know, yeah. And they're all repeat clients. They don't just go one time. And so that's where again, the triangle. And I know it's a long convoluted thing, but this is the information that I don't think people are talking about. Oh yeah, just yeah. go talk to someone, but who is it? Yes. So you go to your one-on-one therapists, go to NLP specialists, go to a hypnotherapist or find yourself a healer. Choose which one works for you, but just go and do the inner work. Because again, your outside world is a direct reflection of your inner world until you start shifting this inner stuff. It doesn't matter what planner you buy this year. It doesn't matter what strategy Samantha or I give you. You will self-sabotage because of these limiting beliefs. Oh my goodness. Just so much gold there. So much gold. You talked numerous times about your extended business team. So obviously you've talked about your healer and hypnotherapist, but who else is in your extended business team? So yeah, so I'll say there's my immediate team, which consists of an online business manager who works for me for 10 hours a week. I then have my marketing person who works for me for about eight hours a week. And she sets up like, if I'm about to launch something, she'll set up everything in active campaign, sales page, you know, take it all together. And then I've got two VAs from the Philippines who work for me for 30 hours a week. 24 hours is spent on my sponsorships and partnerships outreach, plus like onboarding inbox. And then my other one works six hours a week on like social media graphics, scheduling things, doing our monthly newsletter wrap up and, you know, coordinating that. That's my immediate team. But I also then have my external team that I don't speak to every week, et cetera, is my podcast team, my web developer, my SEO team, my accountant, my bookkeeper, et cetera. So yeah. Mm. Love that so much. And I think it's really important for people to understand and to hear kind of the team that's there, because as a business owner, you just can't do it all alone, especially if you want this revenue and freedom piece. It's it's actually not, well, I'm saying it's not possible, but maybe there's someone that it is possible for, but I've never met anyone that it is possible for. You know, you need to have those people there helping out and people that are working in their zone of genius. I totally agree. And I would I would be hard-pressed to find someone right now that if they are doing everything, like I said, they're not having the life balance. Yeah. So they might be running their business. They might be, I don't need a team, I don't need a team. But it's at the detriment of their health, mental, spiritual, and physical. It's at the detriment of their like own self-love and compassion to self or the relationships with family members or their partner or the relationships with the kids like there would be a compromise there do you yep. know what I mean that would so you wouldn't have both yeah totally 
looking forward into 2024, what do you see for you and your company? Yeah, I mean, I see fun, I see lightness, and I just see overall awesomeness, you know? There's a really good book called 10X is Easier Than 2X, and I actually think Mm. it should be a required reading for everyone. But I go into the mentality of 2024 is, is this 10Xing my life or only 2Xing my life? And if it's only 2X, I get rid of it. Mm. And that's getting rid of and shedding relationships. That's getting rid of, do you mean the food that I put into my body? That's getting rid of team if they no longer serve me. Because you don't 10X your life by keeping 80% of what you know. You've got to get rid of that 80% of what you know and enter into the unknown territory. So that's kind of our 2024. But in regards to like the tangible stuff is I've gone into RevShare. So I've got four RevShare clients at the moment. So that's really fun and exciting. We've got our Bali retreat that will be happening, which is super fun and exciting. And then our masterminds. But we're keeping everything pretty simple, pretty lean, right? And I believe that simplicity scales. You don't need more. I think you need less and do more of what you love. And that's kind of my final piece is if I ask you on a scale of one to 10, how burnt out are you right now? If you're anything above a one, I encourage you to review and reflect where are you unaligned? Because a lot of people think burnout equals you're on the way to like a mental health diagnosis. That could be true for some people, but more likely than not, what it is is that you're unaligned. But where are you unaligned? And this is kind of the framework that I work with business. I work with businesses around strategy, health, wealth, and relationships, because you can't do business in isolation. So I want you to ask yourself, where are you unaligned right now? Is it in your health? Is it in your business? Is it in your wealth? Or is it in relationships? And once you identify where you're unaligned and start to put your measures in place to fix that, That's where you become aligned. And when you are in alignment, that's where you'll make more money, have more time and have more memories to mean to be made with family members. Well, I love that so much. Now you actually have a tool to help people identify those gaps and to figure out where they're misaligned or where they need to make little pivots. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So one of the things that people always say is, I don't know the next steps, for example, or I don't know where the gaps are. And I was like, well, there's got to be something that we could look at doing. And say, we as my team help me create this. So we've got this thing where you can over at our website, AngelaHenderson.com.au, and it's called Discover Your Business Growth Score. And we look at the four major components of your business, for example, by having you answer 20 simple questions. It takes about two to two and a half minutes to do these questions. But it gets you thinking about what you're doing and what you're not doing. And then at the end, we'll give you a score of each of those four major components. And you'll be able to see, oh, that's where my gaps are. That's what I need to start changing. So yes, so discover your business growth score over at AngelaHenderson.com.au. Love that so much. You've dropped so much value today. I love the stories that you've shared. It's been an absolute pleasure to chat with you. For us to tie this episode up in a little bow, what is the one thing that you want to leave listeners with today? One thing that I would want to leave listeners with, yeah, is probably whatever you're not changing, you're choosing. So whether or not that, and that also goes with your alignment. So whatever you're not changing, you're choosing. So again, are you choosing to stay in a relationship that no longer serves you because you're worried about what other people are going to say about you? Are you keeping businesses, like parts of your business or product suite because you thought that's the only way when really you hate doing it and you want to let go of it? Are you, I don't know, wanting to work on your health next year, but you've been too scared to understand where to start? Like, again, it all comes down to is whatever you're not changing, you're choosing. And I encourage you to choose wisely because there will be one day when we are all on our deathbed 
and you will sit there with regrets. And that was something that I had during COVID. I was like, what would I regret? You know, when they were scaremongering us at the beginning. Yeah. And at that stage, I was like, I would regret still staying married to my husband because I would hate looking down at my, you know, those people who came to say their final goodbyes and he was there. Cause I was like, actually this would suck. And the second regret I had was not getting a British bulldog. And I now have a British, I no longer have the X <laughs> and I now have my British bulldog named Grateful. So, you know, choose wisely because life is truly short. You know, you never know when our days are numbered. I mean, our days are numbered anyways. But when you move to this life first, business second, it's actually, I no longer look at my days are numbered. My days are filled with joy. They're filled with happiness. And I just long for more of those. So yeah, whatever you're not changing, you are choosing. So choose wisely. Choose wisely. What a beautiful way to end. Thanks so much for joining us, Angela. It's been such a pleasure to chat with you. Thanks so much. Have a beautiful day, my friend. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Influence by Design podcast. If you want more, head over to influencebydesignpodcast.com for the show notes and links to today's gifts and sponsors. And if you're looking to connect with other experts who are growing and scaling their business too, join us in the Coaches, Thought Leaders and Changemakers community on Facebook. The links are waiting for you over at influencebydesignpodcast.com.